Welcome to On the Balance Sheet, Season 2, Episode 7, another special episode. Today we are recording live from the Marriott Long Wharf in Boston, Massachusetts for the 39th annual Darling Consulting Group Annual Balance Sheet Conference and just great to be back in person. For those uninitiated, this is the first time in three years we've been able to get back to our traditional host here in Boston. The last few have been disrupted by COVID and so forth. It's just been great. The energy around the building, the participants, people are just really kind of excited to be around. Unfortunately, the weather didn't cooperate for the lion's share of this. So we had folks come from different parts of the country where the temps were well into the 90s. And yet here we are. It's like, Mid-February, it feels like almost. But in all seriousness, just a great event, I think, start to finish. It really went very well. Today, we've got an episode planned for you. Where we've got three different guests. Zach will kind of go through those. Having an opportunity to listen into some of the sessions and even facilitate some of them, you can just tell the energy has been really, really good amongst everyone. I've got a few takeaways I'd like to share before I throw it over to Zach. One of the things that was really front and center throughout this whole thing, and, and intuitively, I think it makes sense to everyone, was certainly liquidity. Liquidity preparedness, collateral management, the overriding theme of, of the cost of liquidity continues to go higher, how banks and credit unions are managing through this environment. That was front and center on everyone's mind. Uh, I, I will tell you, in the peer group session that I moderated with my colleague, Mike Mitchell, we queried the entire room and overwhelmingly, everyone wanted to talk to each other about liquidity and different facilities and programs to help themselves you know, fund their balance sheet. So that was something that definitely stood out to me. And the other kind of highlight for me personally was uh, listening to Chris Lowe, uh, the chief economist from FHN. And um, for those who follow our podcast, we've already released a special episode with Chris. So I hope you had a chance to consume that. But Chris's forecast, his outlook for the economy. In our conversations with him, I think he was a little more positive than maybe some other economists you might kind of you know, read and follow. And But that doesn't mean he doesn't have a recession kind of baked into the uh, 2024 year. So I thought it was really interesting listening through what he had to say. And then, of course, from a social perspective, we had a terrific uh, lobster bake, a New England-style lobster bake. And it was fun to watch uh, folks from other parts of the country try to figure out how to get into a lobster. So all in all, just a, a great experience and thoroughly enjoyed it. It was really, it was sort of invigorating. You walk away and you say, man, that, that was awesome. We haven't had that sort of feeling in a while. Right, Zach? Vin, absolutely. And I think that was the sentiment that I got for all 48 hours, right? Sunday night kind of through Tuesday afternoon. I, you know, there's so many comments saying how great it was to be back in person. It's always great to have a couple of cocktails too and open up some lobsters, which is always you know one of the big highlights is the Monday night you know, certainly doing that right on the harbor downtown. And I think, you know, for those who haven't been before, other than just being in person and the energy, like you said, that goes with going into sessions, the peer groups, the, the keynote speaker with Chris Lowe, also as, as the chief economist coming and speaking Tuesday morning, a big piece of it is really the diversity of the tracks that we offer. So there's a whole core track, right, Vin, where we're able to go through the basics of ALCO from liquidity management, rate risk, developing strategies, talking about risk tolerances, doing case studies. And that's a whole almost two-day track. If you wanted to be on the more balance sheet management, liquidity, deposits, lending, some more tactical probably things from that perspective, we have that. All those presentations get done twice. So you can kind of pick one each day if you want to, if there are conflicts. Um, we also have a whole model risk management track. 
for some of the bigger banks or some of the more quantitative heavy folks, which always gets really great reviews. And then you have a whole credit union track too, because there's always some idiosyncratic things in that space where some of our clients who, who are credit unions like to, like to go to. So I think it's got something for everybody overall. And I know you talked about liquidity being a big takeaway. You couldn't go anywhere else in there without hearing the word deposits come up certainly as well. And, and I think I, I did my peer group with Kerry Crooks, you know, our colleague Kerry, and the most of it was talking about deposits and deposit generation, uh, deposit inflow generation strategies, ways to not see the cannibalization, ways to just figure out how to deal with this rapid cost of funds increase. Um, so I, I think that was a really productive, you know, kind of peer group setting. And, and I think people like that atmosphere. They also liked having presentations where you get some ideas. I know Joe Kennerson, Justin Bax, John Weiner did a couple cool things too, analytically talking about predictive deposits and analytics on that front. So I think that was a tremendous presentation as well. And then I did one with Matt Penzak, our president on the lending side. And I think, well, liquidity and deposits has been a big, big, big focus. You can't lose track of the fact that lending is still a pretty important piece. And just thinking through some creative ways to get through some of the margin challenges with putting on loans today and this inverted yield curve, kind of the this this lender's dilemma. We're working through at Alcoa's right now. And then talking about derivatives, do they fit? Talking about rate risk, how falling rates over time is usually the worst case for the industry. So how do you straddle near-term rising rates, long-term falling rates? So we had some really good productive discussions there too. And we can go on and on. We had some other great speakers talking about the credit environment, commercial, auto, you know, things like that. So there was really something for everybody. And I just can't get over how excited people were to kind of be back and talking. And there was so much energy, like you said. Yeah, years ago, I, I remember my first conference. I remember uh, having the opportunity, George was giving some opening remarks. And he always said the foundation of that conference was uh, that we hope all of our attendees have one major takeaway that they can bring back to their institution and hopefully uh, capitalize on that takeaway. So, again, it was a, uh, a great couple of days a long few evenings, which is always a lot of fun. And so today we actually wrangled, if you will, three different guests and you're going to get them back to back to back. And we asked some uh, some of the same questions to all of them, right, Zach? Yeah, we tried to keep it consistent and uh, just some good topical current questions. And we had Jeff Kelly, who is the, uh, the chief strategy officer at Liberty Bay Credit Union in uh, Braintree, Massachusetts. We also had John Schmatterer, uh, who's the president and CEO of the Tri-County Bank out in Stewart, Nebraska. And then we had Karen Hale, who is the uh, the CFO up at Union Bank in uh, in Vermont. So some interesting answers. It was great to have them you know, join us and take some time out. And I think you'll really enjoy some of their thoughts and perspectives. So without further ado, here comes Jeff, John, and Karen. And we are live here at the 2023 DCG Balance Sheet Management Conference. And we're joined Vinted myself by Jeff Kelly from Liberty Bay Credit Union. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us today. And just could you give the listeners a quick background, title, kind of role at Liberty Bay, how big you folks are, where you're located, and then we can get into the real big hitting questions for you. Absolutely. And thank you for inviting me over. As you mentioned, we're at the conference. It's been, we're just wrapped up day one. A lot of material, a lot of very, I guess you could say, timely material given the current landscape. And so Jeff Kelly from Liberty Bay Credit Union, based out of Braintree, Massachusetts. We're about a $750 million institution with about 25,000 members. Been around since 1917 and have been there for about nine years now in the chief uh, strategy officer role. Terrific. And what we're planning to do here is just ask a few folks kind of the same questions. We'll see how all your answers kind of come through. But obviously, 2022 was an interesting year. 
a lot going on. 2023 has started. You know, we're halfway through it here, and there's been a lot of issues in the industry, some challenges. From your perch as Chief Strategy Officer right at Liberty Bay, what are the biggest challenges you're seeing or you're experiencing um, as we've gone through the first part of this year and as we kind of continue into 2023 or through 2023 and into 2024? Yeah, absolutely. And so in a very short period of time, we've lived through multiple cycles here, the, the what I'll call the sleepy times pre-COVID, where it was a, a lower rate interest environment, kind of challenging in its own ways. But now post-COVID, you certainly see Fed intervention. You see a lot of the liquidity and deposit pressures that we're starting to see. So in a very short period of time, very different aspects uh, from a managerial standpoint that, that we need to manage. And so top of mind is competition, as we talked today at, at various uh, modules during the conference. Deposit competition, deposit pricing, cost of funds is certainly jumping like I have certainly never seen before. And and the strategies behind that and, and working with membership has been a challenge. And that on top of just the fierce competition from fintechs and, and, and our, um, you know, our neighboring competitors has, has certainly uh, made it an interesting environment. Hey, Jeff Finney here. And again, thanks for joining us. I guess we're like Zach alluded to, we're going to ask a couple templated questions here. And I, one of them, I guess, I already sort of maybe know half of your answer. But it's really, what do you think Liberty Bay's balance sheet is going to look like 12 months from now? It's a very good question. I think uh, there's a lot of different aspects at play here. First and foremost being just the deposit growth aspect. Uh, I had mentioned earlier that we're $750 million in assets with a growth mindset. So we're embracing technology. We're embracing the you know upskilling of our, our, our employee base. And so the hope is that our, our goal is certainly to get over a billion dollars. Uh, in the not so distant future, but what it takes to get there is going to be really just, uh, you know, in my opinion, data mining. Customer expectations are much higher these days than they ever have been, in my opinion. So, how do we meet the members where they need us to be in terms of product, process, and and service? So, my hope is that we continue to grow diligently. We have we have a very healthy capital profile and the ability to expand and grow. And we have the right leadership team to do that uh, and the right staff and talent base to do that. So my hope is I, I come back and talk to you next year and we're, we're north of 800 million and then not so distant future where we're north of a billion and really competing here. Jeff, kind of a follow-up to that. Probably the first question is to talk about challenges. We talk about what the balance sheet may be looking like over the next couple of years. Opportunities, do you see those a lot in the deposit space for you? You see more on the lending side, a combination. What do you kind of see there as, as positives? Because I think we always get kind of mired in all these challenges and issues. But, hey, you know, people are still making money. The banking industry is is, is not going to win no big credit issues just as of yet. So what do you see as opportunities kind of going forward for yourself as well? Absolutely. So, you know, I don't want to use too many buzzwords here that are just that we read in the Wall Street Journal every day. But AI, technology, RPA, you know, really uh, leveraging and, and spending the money to enhance our technological capabilities and really allow us to focus on the member. So if we can simplify processes and and really have our staff focus on the member experience, I think there's a great opportunity there, both lending and on the, on the deposit uh, side. And really, it comes down to process, technology, embracing uh, innovation, and having that mindset every day when we come to work. Well, that's great. No, and um, so this is our first in-person conference in what now? Four years. Really, it's been four years. Was this your first time here, Jeff? Or No. So between digital, if you will, or, or remote and live, I've been to about five conferences now. Not your first rodeo, as they would say. And, and as you know, we're almost at the end of day one. Uh, for a local guy who's heading home tonight, his day is over. Uh, some of the rest of us, our day is sort of just beginning, I guess you could say. Unfortunately, we're just sort of acknowledging that. But 
your thoughts on day one at, at the conference? As I was mentioning to some of, some of the, uh, my other colleagues downstairs, it, timely advice and, and timely content in, in terms of where we are today, really drilling down into data, focusing on documentation, making sure that you really have a plan and uh, a strategy that you can support uh, in this environment. I think all of the sessions were unique. And, and it can get a little intimidating trying to build out your little roadmap for the day, just given the number of different sessions that you have available to all of us. So I, I was excited to uh, to come here today back live, as you had mentioned, for the first time in four years and see some familiar faces and meet some new ones. And so I'm looking forward to day two and, and really just, you know, continuing along that path. Well, well, Jeff, thanks so much for, for being with us. And hopefully you can stay and get a drink or two in before you get ahead of the road. And maybe even we'll give him a lobster to go. Uh, or maybe a couple for the family and for, and for, the, and for the kids. So we'll Always got to bring dinner home, right? Exactly. 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 Well, thanks again, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. And we are now joined by John Schmader from the Tri-County Bank in uh, Stewart, Nebraska. John, thanks so much for being with us tonight. Thanks for having me. Just to start, can you give the listeners a quick overview of the Tri-County Bank and how big you are, where, where you're located, and your role and how long you've kind of been with the institution? Yeah, I'm the president and CEO of the Tri-County Bank uh, in Stewart, Nebraska. Uh, We have four offices, right at $200 in total assets, mostly ag, agribusiness, and uh, rural housing we specialize in. I've been with the bank my whole life, so part of Generation 3. We have uh, three Generation 4 members, part of our team, too. So I started my banking career mowing the lawn and shredding paper. So my mom would send me down to the basement with my buddy, and we would shred paper. I don't remember if we got paid or not, uh, but we were occupied and we had a great time and, and uh, we, we still talk about that. And you're still with the bank. So that's good. It, that's it, right. it, it was a good first experience. So what we've been kind of asking folks here on, on this episode is obviously 2022 was an interesting you know, year. 2023 is, has certainly been a tough first half, I think, with margin compression, things like that in the industry. But what are the challenges you see kind of in your world, what you've experienced so far, maybe as this year goes on, or just expectations for the challenges facing your bank, but also the industry over the next six, you know, 12 months? Yeah, I think the challenge for us has been, we certainly manage for interest rate changes uh, all the time. I don't think you can and and probably should manage for a 5% increase in in right around a year. And, And so that's been tough on us all. You know, my greater concern is that that's tough on our customers, our borrowers as, as well. So while I'm excited on the deposit side, people coming in and they're actually getting paid uh, for their deposit and, and their FDIC insurance, you know, on the loan side, sometimes that's a delayed reaction. So while the ag community is, is really strong in Nebraska, particularly uh, north central Nebraska right now, that increase is, is a delayed reaction. So we're trying to manage for that with our, with our borrowers. Hey John, this is Vinny, and thanks so much for traveling to Boston. I'm sorry we, you know, we gifted you with this absolutely horrible weather. I mean, you almost need a winter coat. Uh, we, we didn't get blessed with great weather this this time around. But um, as Zach alluded to, we're kind of just going through some standardized questions, and uh, I have the pleasure of asking you, where do you see your balance sheet 12 months from now? What does it look like? You know, we've been focused on uh, growing our relationships uh, for for many many years, and so that gives you some really some reference points. And, and, and you can do that in, in all types of scenarios. So there's opportunities when rates rise, there's opportunities when rates go down. And so I would expect us to be larger. Now, sometimes the metrics with pricing and leverage and things like that would change the size of your bank. But, you know, I would expect a year from now that our relationship base would have grown uh, between eight and 10%. 
John told me, Vin, it must have been six, nine months ago, John, we were in a meeting. He said, we're playing defense on price, offense on relationships. And, and that's one of those things that, that stuck with me. So, so I can absolutely attest that I know that's what they've been focused on. And you know, kind of shifting to, we talk about challenges, opportunities, John. What do, what do you see as you know, the kind of the glass half full look for yourself in terms of where are you expecting growth or, or are you expecting growth? And where do you see good opportunities for you to keep growing in your markets? Yeah, sometimes events like this really cause maybe some business transitions that uh, probably needed to happen and don't in the normal course of business. So I think our opportunity right now in in ag and ag and business is really to um, get that next generation involved. And we find that those that next generation, when they come in, when things are a little tough, a little challenging, they end up making it because they have to start right away in, in a challenging time and they figure out how to do that. When they come in, when things are really great, and then, you know, obviously in, in the ag world, that fluctuates a lot, uh, probably more so than CRE and other things, that, you know, it's a really tough adjustment uh, to come in in a good time. And then two or three years later, they, they experience a tougher one. So I think our lenders and our relationship bankers are really geared towards getting those transitions that are so critical to North Central Nebraska. Yeah, John, so day one of the conference, I'm curious what your uh, reaction is we're almost done the day you know that aside what, what has been your reactions any takeaways any themes anything that you know kind of stuck out to you on day one yeah we cheated a little bit because i, I brought my uh, nephew and my son who are part of our banking team and so we were actually able to hit all of the every session uh, between the three of us and we never sat in the room at the same time except for during our peer group and then during the last one so it'll be be interesting to compare notes once once we get back but obviously the the, the deposit strategy uh, was important. Uh, Zach did a lending seminar that uh, we were able to attend, and then uh, you know Cecil was was excellent as well. So I look forward to tomorrow morning's economic forecast because that's it'll be interesting. Well, you're in the hot seat because Chris Lowe just sat there uh, not too long ago, and uh, I think he gave us a preview of what he you know what he's going to talk about. And you know what, he's uh, I would say more positive than maybe others would be. So that that's a good thing, but. Uh, I guess with one parting shot, I got I got to ask you: Will Nebraska ever be a factor in the Big Ten? <laughs> you know, as long as I continue to we continue to invest in season tickets, I'm going to say no. But the minute I we drop those, <laughs> we're going to win it all multiple times. So I, I don't know what to hope for right now. John, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time and and have have a great day too tomorrow. Have a great crew, and, and uh, we li- we love the relationship that's helped us uh, move forward in, in so many ways. Well, welcome back to the DCG Annual Balance Sheet Conference. We are pleased to be joined by Karen Hale. I've got the pleasure of working with Karen and, and her institution, and I dare I call us friends now? You know, I'm, I'm not so sure I can say that. I, I consider you a friend. You can yes. say it. Okay. I consider us friends. Well, thank you for joining us, uh, particularly we're right before dinner. It's been a long, you know, action-packed day, if you will. Karen, tell us a little bit about yourself and the bank. Sure. Uh, well, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Karen Hale. I'm the Chief Financial Officer for Union Bank, who is headquartered in Morrisville, Vermont. We are about $1.4 billion, rapid growth over the last three years, like everyone. We have 20 locations in northern Vermont, New Hampshire, I've been with the bank for about 18 years now in the CFO role for nine. I think it's nine now. So, and it's been a wild ride the last three. That's for, for sure. For sure. 
having the opportunity to work with you folks, I get to see kind of the results. And I probably say this more than you folks believe me, but it's, it's always sort of refreshing to come in there because I know you folks have challenges like others, but yet you've done, your bank's done very well. And so, you know, this sort of goes into our first question we've been asking everyone who's joined us, what you folks view as opportunities moving forward. And also, I guess the second part of that question was, you know, on the other side of the coin, what you would view as a threat. Being in northern Vermont, New Hampshire, that area of the country doesn't seem to be impacted as severely by recessions or booming economy. I mean, we kind of ride in the middle a lot of the time. And that can pose opportunities and threats. Along with that, in Vermont, there's been continued bank consolidation. That usually creates a lot of opportunities for us as the local people want to continue to bank with Vermont domiciled institutions. That's not always the case, but it has created opportunities for us in the past, and we're still seeing that that today. We have, as I mentioned, we've grown quite a bit, and that's been not only because of the pandemic, but also over the last five years, that's been by design. We've continued our expansion in New Hampshire and opened three new branches over the last four years in Vermont as well. The expansion of our geographical footprint creates opportunities for us as well. Challenging right now, probably for most people, is funding and growing deposits. Trying to attract new money is difficult. Luring people away just based on rate is a little easier, but I don't know that that's really going to prove to be a long-term solution if you're trying to grow your institution. So Karen, question number two, and I'm going to phrase it a little bit differently than some of our other guests we've had is the first six months of this year, I think most people are off on their budgets and just the projections. So how about you can give us the next 12 months where you think your balance sheet's going to be kind of going forward here? I say that kind of tongue in cheek, just do you see yourself growing a lot more? Is it you know, is it going to be more wholesale based? Do you have some things in the fire in terms of the deposit side? You know, what are you thinking about for the next 12 months on the growth side? Oh, don't I wish I had a crystal ball for for all of that. But, uh, you know, we, as I mentioned, we've been in a growth mode and we were predicting similar results for 2023. I think we had estimated around a 10% growth total assets and funding that with a combination of deposits and, and wholesale funds. Through the first six months, we've been very fortunate. We have strong loan demand, both on the residential side and commercial side. Funding continues to, to be a challenge. And so far, we've been doing the majority of the funding of that with wholesale options and a combination of FHLB advances and brokered, brokered deposits. Going forward, you know, based on what our pipelines look like right now, I mean, the loan demand is there. I think we just really need to continue to manage the funding side and so that we can um, minimize the margin compression that we're seeing. I don't know how much we'll really grow these next six months for sure. We also have a very strong municipal business line, and that's a very competitive market competitive market right now, and more so because everyone's competing for those deposit dollars. That's the quickest way, other than business deposits, to to get some meaningful growth. And so that arena has certainly ramped up uh, this this muni season. 12 months, I I think we'll stay flat. I don't think we'll shrink much, but I, I don't think we'll grow a whole lot more. And flat is virtually growth compared to what you're probably going to see amongst a lot of your peer group. And what's always kind of interesting to me is I, David Silverman, the CEO, he always has, makes remarks that like we're, we're always seem to be behind the Boston economy and there's always a lag. And, 
and it clearly has not gotten to you. I'm always surprised by every time we look at the numbers and you spoke to your loan demand, like particularly in a residential side, you made a remark earlier that residential loan pipeline was pretty strong. And I know, you know, Steve, you're one of your, your key folks always talks about that. What do you attribute that growth to that pipeline? The, the fact that that's still going on because in other markets, it's really quite quiet. Actually, I was talking with Steve about this earlier today and that when the 30-year rate hit 7%, that was kind of the price point. That kind of slowed people down a little bit. When it came back down, people are still having life events, you know, so they're still looking for new homes, building new homes. One of the challenges that we have, like many others, is inventory. There isn't a ton of inventory, so our construction business is very strong. The first three months out of the year, or the first three months out of, of 2023, It's winter. Nobody's really doing a lot, you know, in northern Vermont, New Hampshire. But over the last probably two months, people are back out, you know, looking to make those life changes. And so we've really seen a tick up just just in that two month period of time where the demand is just strong. I think it's not refi stuff. It's it's new purchase activity, a little bit of refi, but not a lot. I mean, who wants to refi out of a three percent? you know, mortgage. But the demand seems to be there. There aren't a lot of people moving to Vermont now. That was pandemic time when a lot of people moved. And then what I mentioned before is our geographical expansion. We're making more of a presence in New Hampshire. That's that's part of it. And we're partnering with some other mortgage brokerage firms that are looking to sell loans or, you know, help us find find the business. And we've made some great partnerships that are helping us continue to expand. The uh, last question we have for you, Karen, I'm standing in the way of all of us going to have lobster. So it's day one is over pretty much of the conference. Any any interesting things, any things you, you like today from the presentations or anything you're looking forward to you know, tomorrow? I think today was a great day. On one hand, a little depressing. You know all the challenges that we're all facing and then all the added pressures of what the regulatory expectations are going to be. I think a lot of us are leaving thinking, man, we have a lot more work to do uh, just to satisfy those requirements. But it's all good information. And I think we all, especially with you folks from Darling, we have the tools to accomplish those things. It's just we're in an unprecedented time and we're all experiencing things that we haven't haven't had to do, but what's nice about this conference is you're all in it together kind of thing. So you're not there by yourself and being able to network with other people, either from your own state or from other places across the country, you get to talk about those things and the challenges. And not that you're divulging any deep, dark corporate secrets when you're talking about these things, but you may pick up a couple ideas from people that you wouldn't wouldn't expect to. So, So that's great and looking forward to more of that tomorrow. Well, that's great, Karen. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We appreciate it and hopefully enjoy day two as well. Thank you very much. That's a wrap on episode seven here from the DCG conference. Hope you folks enjoy this one and stay tuned for more episodes of On the Balance Sheet. On the Balance Sheet is a podcast produced by Darling Consulting Group, DCG. All views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests are solely their own and may not represent those of DCG. All third parties are independent entities and are not affiliated with DCG. This podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only and is not considered as advice. All views and opinions expressed are based on the information available at the time and may have changed based on current market and other conditions. For more information about DCG, please visit www.darlingconsulting.com or email us at info at 
Today's background music is provided by John Sib and Coma Media and can be found on pixabay.com. <laughs>